0: As we have one more song uh, singing about to us and what God has done for us in salvation, uh, we'll sing A Wonderful, Merciful Savior. song about how wonderful our
1: Savior is, how amazing our Jesus is. Uh, Let's go ahead and take a few minutes of fellowship uh, before we get started with the sermon. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24 as we have returned back to, to this chapter and we've been uh, studying in Matthew 24 what Jesus tells us about the end of the world. He's been preparing us for uh, what's going to happen as the day approaches. He's been telling us what to look for. He's been telling us uh, what it'll be like and we've been studying it, looking at it. I hope it gives us a, a biblical perspective, helps us to prepare our hearts for the end of the world. Uh, so this, is, this has been good for us and today uh, you've come on a good day. Today, it gets worse than it has before. Uh, Today, it gets real dangerous. Today, I I think this may be the scariest part of the whole chapter Matthew 24. This is really, really hard for us to hear. Today, Jesus tells us what it's going to be like as it approaches the end for believers, for Christians, for followers of Christ. And what he shows us here is it's not going to be good. It's going to be scary as the day approaches. Uh, We're going to have, towards the end, a worldwide hatred for Christians. We will be, and he says this in the verse, in verse 9, he says, you will be. And I want you to see that, you shall be, ye shall be. And he's pointing a finger at the disciples, and I think he's pointing a finger at everybody in this room, that as the day approaches, as, uh, as we come to the end, you will be hated. That's what it says. It's not something you want to hear. I will be hated. You will be hated. And why will we be hated? We'll be hated for Jesus' sake. That's the title of the sermon of the day: Hated for Jesus' Sake. So let's stand together, and I want to read, and we'll start in verse 1 again. I keep just adding to the verses every week, and, and, we, and I, I've enjoyed the study. I hope you have too. Uh, but today we want to look at the scary days ahead for Christians. We're going to be hated. And we're already seeing that in the world today. Christians are becoming more and more hated than they ever have been, than we ever have been. And it's just going to get worse. So let's start in verse 1. We'll look at hated for Jesus' sake. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him, for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And he said upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So there's the question that sets all this off. And he starts his answer here, and I've told you this many times. This is the longest answer Jesus ever gives. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes, and, and all kinds of places. All these are just the beginning of sorrows. Verse 9, here's where our passage today. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. We're going to stop there. This is hated for Jesus' sake. So let's pray together and we'll see what that's going to look like. Father, we come very humbly to this passage today. This is not something that anyone would enjoy preaching. This is not something I'd say even the people in the pews would enjoy hearing today. But this is the reality. I think this is becoming the reality in our day now. And we know from this passage that it will become the reality in the future, that it's going to get worse and worse until the whole wide world hates Christians. And God, I think this may not be what we want to hear today, but this is exactly what we need to hear. To prepare our hearts To stand in the evil day, to not back down, to not be cowards, to not be silenced by the world, but to speak up and to stand up for what we believe, even if it means death, persecution, imprisonment, and hatred. So God, I pray that you'd use this sermon today to plant our feet. That's what it's been for me, and I pray it'll be that for everybody in this room. We know in whom we believe, and we're not backing down, though the whole world hate us. So God, teach us these things today, and we ask and pray it in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I'm going to tell you some stories today at the outset that you've not heard on the news, that you've not read on the internet. This is news that you won't get anywhere else. This is news that should be broadcast all over the world. These things should be in your ears every day, and they're not. This is news that is newsworthy. This is news that should be on the front page of our newspapers. This is news that should be on CNN. This is news that should be on Fox News. This is news that that we need to be hearing, that you you need to be hearing, that I need to be hearing. And here's the news. I'm going to give you just... This is in the news. Five stories I think I have here. Four or five. First one. A church in Nigeria was set on fire on Sunday. And men stood outside as the church burned with machine guns and shot people as they walked out of the church running from the fires. In Sri Lanka... There was a group of kids eating at a church, enjoying their time after Sunday school, and a bomb went off and killed every child in the church. In Saudi Arabia, a father found out his daughter had been converted to Christ, and he cut out her tongue and burned her to death. In India, a woman watched as her sister was dragged off by Hindu nationalists, and she she was quoted as saying, I don't know if I'll ever see my sister ever again. These are four... Sobering, serious stories. And and I could go on. I had ten on my notes that I could read to you today. And it's even more than ten. It could go on and on and on. And all these stories here, and you need to know this, have one thing in common. This is going on all over the world. Two-thirds of the world is facing these types of things. It it goes on from the Sudan to Russia, from Nigeria to Afghanistan, from Colombia to India. And every single story has one thing in common. One thing that is the reason this is going on. And that one thing is that every single one of these people were followers of Jesus Christ. They were persecuted, they were hated for Jesus' sake. That's what's going on. This is going on all over the world. For these Christians that I just read about, it's normal. It's a part of life. They see it every day. I read a story this week of it's normal in some countries for people to hunt you down, drag you out of your car, and beat you just for being a Christian, and that's just a part of life. Everyday thing. It's as normal as stopping to get a cup of coffee. Happens all the time. In two-thirds of the world, these types of things are going on. They know that there's a high cost to following Christ and they're paying it every day. They know what it means to, to pick up their cross and to follow Jesus Christ every single day. They're paying the cost. They know. And they're willing to pay it. And here we sit in churches in America and we're at ease. And we've been at ease. You can't even get people to come to church in America. Let alone go to a church and think, it might be bombed, it might be set on fire, I might be killed. And they still go. They know the cost. We don't. We've not faced it. We're the exception. Nobody hates us in America. Nobody's putting us in jail. Nobody wants to kill us. Steve Lawson said that. You know what the problem with preachers is today? Nobody wants to kill us anymore. Nobody hates us. Nobody's nobody, nobody's attacking us. We, we meet in this church today safely with nobody coming to, to ridicule or to try to stop our services. We have no danger in meeting here today. We've had a Easy time in America. We've never really had to count the cost. But how much longer is that going to be? Jesus says, as the end approaches, it might not be as easy as it's always been in America. Jesus goes to the mountain here and they ask him the question, just just like we just read. They ask him the question Give us a sign. And, and he goes down the list as he answers them. And, then, and this gets the whole thing going. They said, give us a sign of the end of the age. And, and when the world will end and when you'll come back, tell us what it's going to be like so we'll know that it's getting close. That's what they ask him. And understand this, only Jesus can answer this question. Nobody else can give you the answer of what the end of the world is going to be like but the Son of God. He knows and, and he's going to lay it out there in really six signs for us. And I think this is a, the fourth one that we studied. And each one, for me, gets worse and worse and worse. There's deception. There's there's war. There's uh, pestilence and famines. And you're saying, can it get worse? Oh, it gets worse. Because today, the bullseye goes on Christians. it's going to be bad for those who believe. These things have been worldwide deception, worldwide war, worldwide disease and famine and, and pestilence and plague... Now the bullseye is here's what it's going to be like for you, Christians. Here's how the world will treat you as the day approaches. Here's how the world will treat me as the day approaches. Again, you're not hearing these sermons in in many churches today. In many churches, if you heard this, you wouldn't have a mega church anymore. You'd clear the place out. But this is what's coming. Jesus says the whole world is going to turn against us. The whole world will bully us. The whole world will gang up on us. The whole world will say evil things about us falsely. The world will hate us just for being followers of Jesus. The last hour of human history will be the most dangerous for Christians. Unlike anything we've ever seen. And we need to be preparing our hearts for it. So the title of the sermon today again is Hatred. Hated for Jesus' sake. I'm going to give you two points and just kind of work our way through it. And, and, and it's going to be basically the same outline as we had last week and, and really the week before. But I'm going to look at, at first point as, as we look at verse 9. The danger that's ahead. The danger that's ahead. Because he says there in verse 9, then. And all these things go in, in, in order. It just keeps, and you'll see that, and then, and then, and then. And he says here, and then, then shall they... Deliver you up. And I just want to go word by word down through here. Then shall they deliver you up. And that word deliver is, they will hand you over to authorities. They will apprehend you like they apprehended Jesus. And they will take you and hand you over or deliver you up to the authorities so that you can be arrested. Deliver up, I want you to say, think that you're going to be arrested. They're going to hand you over to the authorities. And then it says, let's keep working over around, they'll deliver you up to be afflicted. Which is to hurt you, to harm you. This, this is what's coming. They'll deliver you up and then they'll afflict you. They'll, they'll hurt you. You'll be in pain in some way. This is not going to be some padded easy sale somewhere where they give you three meals a day and everything's all right. They're going to hurt you. Jesus ain't here. So if I can't hit Jesus, I'll hit Jesus' followers. And then it says, it gets worse, right? Prison, pain, death. You just follow with it. They deliver you up, afflict you, and then they'll kill you. And that last one, and you shall be hated of all nations. Hate's a very strong word. They're going to hate you. In a world that loves the word love, there's no hate like the world's love. They will hate you. Their bullseye will be on you. They'll despise you. They won't be able to stand you. And by who? Who? By all nations. By everyone. (laughs) You guys are very serious in here today. By everyone. And what will it be? How will this look like? I'm going to give you three groups that will do this. And I'm going to put together Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. All the same story. All the same sermon that Jesus is preaching. In Mark 13, 9. You don't have to turn there. It's just one verse. But I want to read it to you because it says... That' the first group that will persecute or deliver you up, afflict you, kill you and hate you. The first group is religious. Mark 13:9 says that it, "Take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils and in the synagogues. and I would underline synagogues, and you shall be beaten in the synagogues." So the first group that will persecute Christians, the first group that will attack Christians, the first group that will give up Christians will be the, the religious. It will be in every religion in the world that will give up Christians. Every religion in the world will be tolerated but Christianity. You'll be beaten and flogged in synagogues, in, in the religious places. And then there will be government. And, that, and that's even in, in, in Matthew 13, or Mark 13 where it says, and you shall be delivered up to councils. You'll be beaten. You'll be brought before rulers and kings for my sake as a testimony against them. So it's saying, again, courts and, and governors and in halls and and by the kings and the, the councils and the, the public places. It won't just be in in churches or, or in, in religious places. It will be in government places. It will be a official persecution that the, the people at the top will be persecuting the church. The government will come after us. I read a commentary this week that said they won't come after you. They always come after the man who's talking the most. (laughs) They're going to come after me. That's who they're going to come after. I'll be delivered up and I'll be afflicted and, and I'll be hated and I'll be killed. And there's one more. Three groups, the religious, the government, and family. Back to Mark 13, verse 12 says this. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death. And the father will betray the son. And children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. This is now in the family. That brother who you thought would never turn his back on you will turn his back on you because he doesn't follow Christ and you do. Children will turn on parents, and parents will turn on children, and they'll be there'll be turncoats, and they'll be traitors, and they'll be stabbing you in the back, and they'll be, do you know any Christians? I know a Christian. As long as you don't hurt me, I'll I'll tell you where they are. I'll tell you where they meet. I'll tell you. And they're telling on their brothers, and they're telling on their parents, and they're telling on their children. And what this is saying here is, I want you to imagine this. This is every, every, everybody. Every structure, you got the the religious, you got the the government, and you got the the family. Everybody is coming from all sides that all nations and all people will hate us. And you'll have no place to hide. No place to go. No refuge. No safe place. And why do they hate us? It says there at the end of verse nine. For my name's sake. You see that? It's not because we're obnoxious, which we can be. It's not because we're mean. It's not because we're, we're judgmental. They will hate us for my name's sake. Who's talking here? Jesus. They'll hate you. And I've got a list of things here. This is why they're going to hate us. They'll hate us for identifying with Jesus. They'll hate us for associating with Jesus. They'll hate us for bowing the knee to Jesus and not to the governmental authorities. They'll hate us for listening to Jesus' word. They'll hate us for what He says. They'll hate us for what He tells us to believe. They'll hate us for sharing Jesus with the world. They'll hate us for meeting with Jesus' people. They'll hate us for singing about Jesus. They'll hate us because we are the followers of Jesus. That's it. Everything in the world will be tolerated and accepted. All religions. All sinful behavior. But one thing. Followers of Jesus. They'll hate us because they hate Jesus. There's no one more hated in all the world than Jesus Christ. That's the way it has been. They loved Him when He was feeding the 5,000. They loved Him when He was Performing miracles and healing them. But as soon as Jesus opened His mouth, they did everything they could to shut Him up. They'll love us as long as we're doing good. They'll lo- love us as long as we're, we're nice and we're, we're giving them clothes and we're giving them food and we're just, we're just letting everything go. But as soon as you open your mouth, they'll hate you just like they hated Jesus. Do anything in the world to silence the truth. Why do they hate us? Because we're the only ones speaking up the truth. Why they hate Jesus? Because he was the only one speaking the truth. And that's the way it's been, and that's the way it's going to be. We'll be hated for Jesus' sake. And Jesus said this in verse 9 and 10. And it happened almost immediately. Are you with me on this? The very next day, Jesus was brought before the religious authorities and was flogged. Jesus was brought before the courts and the government and he was prosecuted in the court and then crucified. Jesus' family, Judas turned his back on him. Brothers turned their back on him. Peter turned his back on him. Jesus knows what it's like in all three of these areas, the religious and the government and the family. So it happened almost immediately for Jesus the next day. And then in Acts, (laughs) the church started in Acts 2 and the hatred started in Acts 4. Read Acts. I I don't have time to give it to you, but in in Acts 4, Peter gets arrested and he's brought before the, the courts and said, what are you doing? He said, let it be known before everybody in here that there's only one way of salvation and it's the name of Jesus Christ. But watch this. Let me just give you a couple things here. Acts 7, you have the first martyrdom. Stephen. Acts 12, James dies. I just read through Acts this week and I I looked for persecution and hatred and and affliction and and death. I I look for it and here's where I found it. You guys ready for this? There's 28 chapters in Acts. I found it in Acts 4, 5, 7, 8, 12, 13, 16, 17, 18, 21, 22, 24, 25, 26, 28. And when when the Acts ends in Acts 28, Paul is in jail in a Roman cell. You'll be more likely to find persecution in Acts than not persecution. That's the way it was for Jesus. That's the way it was in Acts. And it's been building throughout church history. If you could find, if you had one word to describe all of church history, you know what it would be? Persecution, hatred, affliction, death. Christians have been thrown to lions. Christians have been burned as torches. Nero would take a Christian and he'd, he'd have parties in his court At night time, he would take Christians and set them on fire, douse them in in oil, just so he could have light for his parties. Christians were mangled by wild beasts. They would take Christians and and tie them to a wild horse on one end and a wild horse on the other, whip the horse, and they'd take off, and they'd rip Christians apart. Why? All because of Jesus' name. And we've had it easy in America. This hasn't happened to us. It's uncommon. Our era of history is unprecedented in that we've not been persecuted. But Jesus says it's coming for all of us. As we come to the end, the heat will be turned up. There'll be intensity. It'll be frequent It'll be all over the world. And as it reaches its end, he says here, and it's just going to be again like birth pains. It's going to just, just get, get worse and worse and worse and worse until Jesus returns. And, and at the very end, the, the hatred and persecution for Christians will be unlike anything that we've ever seen. And at this point, you're asking, well, what's that going to look like, Josh? Take us to Revelation now. That's where we've been going. That's why I want to take you again today. I want to take you to, to Revelation 6. And I'm going to show you what Jesus says it's going to be like all the way to the end, right before His, His second coming. I mean, and this is, I told you, this is scary. I read this this week, and I thought, wow, this is, this is unreal what's going to happen. And I'm going to read to you several passages out of Revelation. Revelation 6-18 through is the future, is what's going to happen right before Jesus returns. And it's the scariest yet. Let me read to you Revelation 6, verses 9-11. through 11. And I'm going to try to go very very quick through these, because I've got several verses I want to read you. I've read, I've read Revelation 6-18 through 18 every week, looking for these things. It's become so much clearer here. Revelation 6, verse 9. It says, When he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain. The word slain there is slaughtered. Same word that's used when Cain killed Abel. We think that Cain probably snuck up behind Abel and slit his throat. He was slain. This is the same word that they would use for a sacrifice. That they would take a lamb or a, a bull or a goat and they take it and, and slit its throat and it would bleed out on the, on the altar. And that's how they sacrificed animals. It's the same word. And, and it's the word that he uses here for the souls that are in heaven who were slain, who were persecuted, who were hated and, and afflicted and, and delivered up. This is, a, this is at the end. They were, they were slain. It was bloody. It was a, a massacre. They were slain. And why were they slain? Get this. Look, look for the, why they were slain. For the Word of God and for the testimony which they held. They were slain because they stood for the truth and they refused to back down. In a culture that wants everybody to bow the knee and to, and to be uh, so silent on all the issues, these Christians refused to bow down. They stood for the Word of God and their witness of Jesus. And they were slain. They didn't bow down. At that time, His Word will not be tolerated. And anybody who preaches His Word or or shares His Word or speaks His Word or or puts it on social media, they will be slain. They'll tell you to be silent about judgment and hell and sin. Even today, we can't say things. You guys with me? Even today, if, if a preacher stands up and says anything about sin, boy, you better watch out. You better watch out today. They'll try to silence you. They'll try to cancel you. If you stand up and say anything about homosexuality being a sin, oh my, shut it up. Now it's just cancel you on Facebook and a, a mean post. <laughs> and Christians in America, they get a mean post, and, and even preachers in America, oh no, they're talking bad about me, you know. Get a spine. Stand up. That's what these, these these martyrs did. You say adultery is sin, you whoremongers. <laughs> That's not popular. You'll empty your church that way, preacher. You need your offering place full. You're gonna get yourself in trouble if you say stuff like that. These these stood up. You see why they why why were they slain? For the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Watch what it says next. Verse 10, And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O sovereign God, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? How long till you punish them for what they've done to us? How long will you let this go on? They're slaughtering us! Verse 11, And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest just a little season, until their fellow servants and also their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. So he says, it's just a little bit longer. And I'll take care of this. He'll put a stop to it. Revelation 7. I want to read you a longer section here. Now, I've got to get going, but Revelation 7, verse 9. It says, and after this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, and you gotta, you gotta underline a great multitude, and and the great multitude is which no man can number, of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues, and all these people, a great multitude that nobody could count, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and, and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and under the Lamb. And all the angels stood around about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and they all fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God. Saying, this is worship. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. That's a doxology. And then one of the elders said, which should be our question, who are these people? <laughs> Where did these people come from? Do you see it says that verse 13. What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And I said unto him, sir, you know. He said to me, these are the, they which came out of the great tribulation or they who were persecuted and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So I want you to see that. These are the ones who were persecuted. These are the ones who were hated. These are the ones who were delivered up. These are the ones who were afflicted. These are the ones who were killed. And how many of them were they? multitudes upon multitudes that no man could even even put a number on. And therefore they are before the throne of God, verse 15, and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. And watch what He does. I, I, I preached Revelation and didn't get this. And they'll hunger no more. Which tells me that before they died, they were hungry. We talked about last week that there would be famine. So when they die, He says, I'll feed them. What's this. And neither do they thirst anymore. There's drought. Neither shall sunlight, uh, the sun on them nor any heat. that they, We talked about last week that the sun will give such a, a bright and powerful ray that it will burn their skin. He says, I'll take care of them. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them under living fountains of waters and God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. God will take care of this. I've got to go to another one. Revelation 11. And we've we, we got to keep going, but... This is, this is an interesting one. I mean, this is, we'll talk about this one next week or the week after. But the court which was without, verse 2, without the temple, leave, leave out, and the measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, the holy city shall they tread underfoot for 42 months, three and a half years. And I will give power unto two witnesses. The question is, who are those witnesses? And the answer is, I don't know. And they shall prophesy 1,203 days, clothed in sackcloth. That's three and a half years they'll preach. It says there are two olive trees and two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. They're the witness of God on the earth in this time. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours the enemies. If any man hurt them, he's going to be killed in the same manner. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of the prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all kinds of plagues as often as they will. Now verse 7, this is probably where I should have started with. And when they shall have finished their testimony, same word that we've been using, their testimony of Jesus. When they're done, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Those two witnesses will be killed, and, and what, just stay with me. and their dead bodies will lay in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where Jesus was crucified. And they of the people and of the kindreds and the tongues of the nations shall see their dead bodies for three days and a half and shall not let their bodies be put into a grave. The whole world will see it happen. And these two witnesses for Jesus Christ will lay in the streets for three and a half days. It'll be on your Facebook, it'll be on your Twitter, it'll be on your TV, it'll be for every eye to see. And watch how the world will respond. And all they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over it and make merry, and shall send gifts to one another. They're going to have a party over it. It's going to be like Christmas gifts. They're going to celebrate like Mardi Gras. There's going to be celebration going on in every city and every town across the world because these two were killed. And why is there such joy in it? Because they tormented them that dwell on the earth. The words that they shared eat up the people. They couldn't handle it. That's what's going to happen. I've got another one. I'm going to go very quick through these. Revelation twelve seventeen says, and the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. These people which keep the commandment of God, the word of God, and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Same thing. Revelation thirteen seven. I put question mark beside these because I said I don't know if I'd have time, but you guys really think I care about time. Revelation thirteen seven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and overcome them. And power was given unto him to all kindreds and tongues and nations. They're going to war against the saints. Revelation 16.6 For they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets. Revelation 17.6 they just keep on going. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints. And with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great awe. How could she do this? Last one. Revelation 20 verse 4. It just keeps going. And I saw thrones. And they that sat upon them. And judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded. For what? The witness of Jesus and the word of God. Same thing. Over and over and over. For Jesus' sake. And which had not worshipped the beast and not bowed the knee. Neither his image, neither had taken the mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. You say, how do they know who's who? How do they know a Christian from a non christian I mean, you can't even tell right now. You go to the food city and you're walking through and you say, I don't know if he is or if she is. We can't tell who's a Christian. There's no big C on anybody's chest. We don't know. Well, in those days, they're going to have some kind of mark that determines who is and who isn't. And those who take the mark will be safe and those who don't will be killed. This is coming. We go back to Matthew 24. It's brewing. At this very moment, hatred is brewing in our nation. There's a changing of society right before our eyes. We're going downhill fast. And it won't take much for us to get exactly where this says we're going to go. And it won't be glamorous. It won't be you're a Christian. I'm just going to, this is my application. You know what they said about Jesus? When he spoke up, they said he was a drunkard. They said he was demon possessed. They said things about him that were false and that were derogatory that nobody would ever once said about them. It wasn't, oh, you're the Son of God, let's kill you. It wasn't, oh, oh, you're the Savior of the world, let's kill you. They made up things about Jesus to make everybody hate Him and turn against Him. So don't you think they're going to say nice things about us? I'll easily stand up and say, I'm a Christian, I stand for Jesus, and and if they want to persecute me for that, amen, praise God. But that's not what they're going to say about us. They're going to say things about us that will make us out to be the worst people on the planet. They're going to say things, this ain't going to be glamorous. They're going to say things like, you're full of hate. They're going to call us intolerant. They're going to say, you're an extremist. They're going to call us fundamentalists. They're going to say, you're blank phobic, whatever that is. You're, 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 or you're anti, whatever group. They're going to make us out to be the worst people in the history of the world. And it's going to make us want to be real quiet. That's coming. It's here. Just for speaking up for his word, you could be all called all kinds of names. So now that's the danger that's ahead. It's coming. You need to be prepared for it. It's here. I don't say it's coming. it's, It's here. It may not be at this point, but we got some contractions coming. It's on its way. We're feeling it. It's like me sitting with Steph in the hospital and, and you get there at 6 in the morning and it's like, she has a contraction. It's like, ooh, that ain't nothing. <laughs> you don't even need an epidural for that one. And then it gets, oh, and then it gets, ooh. And, and, and it, as it builds up and you go throughout the day and it's like, oh wow, this is getting bad. They're getting close together. Something's happening here. You know what? We're not at the little bitty stuff now. We're moving towards the big stuff. And we've got a decision to make you with me? The danger that's ahead will cause everybody in this room to make a decision. I've got a decision to make. You've got a decision to make. As this comes, what are you going to do? Because danger like this will send everybody in one of two directions. And you've got to choose which way you're going to go. Are you going to go the narrow way with the very you, few, Or are you going to go the broad way with the many? And I'm going to call them two different directions here. You're going to go the coward's way or you're going to go the courageous way. So let's look at this final point, the decision to make. I want to show you the coward's way. Look with me at verse 10. Here's the coward's. Verse 10. And then shall many. You see that? (laughs) Many. These are directly connected. And then shall. You see that? Because of the persecution, many will do this. Verse 10, they'll be offended. You like that word? It is the word of our culture. Everybody's offended about everything. Everybody's getting their feelings hurt. I can't preach a sermon without somebody saying something to me about their feelings being hurt. You've offended me. I'm all right with the Word of God offending you. I try my best not to offend people or to be offensive myself, but if the Word of God offends you, then let it offend. Here we go. He says that many will be offended. And and what this means is they'll they'll stumble. They'll, They'll trip up. Or they'll fall away. The pressure will be so great and the persecution so severe that many who initially profess to be followers of Jesus will fall away. And will go the opposite direction. They'll abandon the faith. They, you could even use the word, they will apostatize. They will turn their back on Jesus. Again, the pressure will be so great and the persecution so severe that many who profess to be Christians will pull out the white flag and wave it in surrender. There are churches that we know of today who because they're scared to death of what the world thinks about them and says about them, they've waved the white flag. They've surrendered their faith. They've surrendered the truth. And they've bowed the knee to culture. They've bowed the knee to the world. And let me ask you this, it's not even bad yet. How many in American churches today will disappear when real persecution comes? It's a sobering question. There may be some in here who when it gets hot and they turn the heat up on us, that you wave the white flag. Disappear. Disappear. How many will disappear when it's not easy anymore to be a Christian? And it's not. How many will disappear when it's not popular? How many will disappear when you lose friends? How many will disappear when it's not socially acceptable anymore? To follow Christ. To stand for his word. How many will disappear when you have to count the cost and pick up your cross? Truly. Truly. When you might lose your job. When you might lose out on some money. When you lose a friend or two or 5 or 7 or 10. When you lose your standing, when you lose your life, when you lose your freedom. Superficial faith in these days will crumble and fall like a sand castle on the beach when the waves hit. Picture that in your mind. Matthew 7 says, where are you standing? Are you like the sand? Building your house upon the sand that when the waves come and crash, it crumbles and falls? Or have you set your life upon a rock? When the waves come and they beat and they they, they hit, nothing happens to it. There's going to be many that have superficial faith that when the, the waves of persecution come, it washes them away and you never see them again. Disappear. We've seen it. COVID did that to many. I'm just being honest. I mean, these 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 things are happening right in front of our eyes. This isn't something that we're saying, oh, this is way too far in the future for me to even worry about it. It's happening right now. We're seeing a falling away now over a virus. I know the young people in here today. If you're young, if you're college age, if you're high school age, or if you're a kid and you're going to grow up in this culture, you're going to feel the pressure more than anybody else. Walk the halls of a high school and believe the Word of God and stand for Jesus Christ, you will be ostracized. I know it. I know what my kids are going to face as they grow up. Send them to university and hear the professors and be around the students and all the clubs that they're going to have. It's going to be hard. Nobody's preaching these things. We're giving them Kool-Aid and and going to a pizza party and nobody's ready for it. Stand up. I know. And if you don't give kids the real thing, they're going to crumble like a sandcastle. This is a coward's way out to choose safety over Jesus, to choose popularity over Jesus, to choose ease over Jesus. We need to preach to pick up the cross and follow me. It's a coward's way out. And then it says, it's one thing to be a coward, it's another to be a betrayer. <laughs> Look at it. Verse 10, and then shall many be offended. That, that's the coward. They're, they're going to turn away and get offended and, and, and turn away. And not only do they turn away, if you want to leave, fine. But then it says, and shall betray one another and hate one another. Again, they're offended. They left. They used to be in with you. <laughs> and they walked out. Okay, walk out. And now they hate you? And now they're going to betray you? Is this where we're going? They become traitors. They become what I would tell my kids, tattletales. My kids will come and run into the living room and say, let me tell you what. And I'm like, are you getting ready to tattle? Yeah. <laughs> but they did it. And I'm like, ah, oh, no, 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 no. Don't be a tattletale. Unless they did something really, really bad. Then tattletale. <laughs> right? I mean, you would... And then they'll walk off off in and a puff and I look at Steve and say, wonder what they did. <laughs> you might want to go check on them. <laughs> My kids are a bunch of tattletales. That brother, <laughs> in the room, playing Fortnite, gets mad at brother and betrays him. <laughs> I'm offended. I'm telling mom and dad. I know that's funny, but this is what it says it's going to do. There's going to be turncoats. Tattletales. Parents will turn on kids and kids will turn on parents and brothers will turn on brothers. And they'll hate one another. And there'll be people that you went to church with that'll turn on you and say, I can't believe they believe what they believe. You just believed this a month ago. You were, and that's where we are in our culture today. And we're still standing for what we stood for as a church for hundreds upon hundreds of years. And we've not moved. And people leave and they walk away. I can't believe they believe that. What do you think we are? Is there a cross on the steeple out there? Does it still say church here? Do we still open our Bible in the pulpit? Don't be surprised by what we believe. They'll deliver over. They'll betray. They'll become Judas. Turn over a couple chapters with me. Matthew 26. <laughs> I think you guys will be wowed by this. this. is what they'll become. Matthew 26 verse 15. And he said unto them, Jesus, what will you, or Judas, he said unto them, what will you give me? What are you going to give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they coveted with him for 30 pieces of silver. He wouldn't negotiate it, giving up Jesus. What will you give me? And the word there is deliver. And it said, Jesus just said, and they will deliver you. They'll betray you. Let, 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 let's keep going. Verse 16. And from that time, he saw an opportunity to betray him. And I've got more verses. Verse 21. And as, as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Turn coat, tidal tail, turn me in. I've got more. Verse 23, And he answered and he said, He that dips his hand with me in the dish, that's the one that will betray me. Same word. Verse 24, The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Verse 25, Then Judas which betrayed him. This word just keeps on going. This is what they did to Jesus. Verse twenty. Let's go to verse 46. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at the at hand, that doth betray me. Last verse, verse forty-eight. And now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, "Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he." Get a hold of him. They turn into Judas. Back to Matthew twenty-four. So many will turn away. Jesus says that many. Many will be offended and they'll betray one another and shall hate one another. And they're going to turn away. We'll talk about it next week. But they'll, they'll turn away because of persecution here. They'll turn away because of deception, verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. There's that same many, many, many. And then it says, and, and so they're going to turn away because of persecution, deception. And then in verse 12, because of sin. Many will fall away and take the coward's way out. I said there's two ways, right? I've got a couple more minutes. Because you want to hear the other way, right? So I want to give you the other way. I, I think it's here too because as, as persecution comes it'll send some to the, to the coward's way where they'll bow down and they'll, they'll give in and, and, and they'll say, okay, I'm sorry. I don't believe in Jesus like that. Not that Jesus. My Jesus is nice and kind and, and loving and He never says anything about sin or, or judgment or, or wrath or repentance or being I mean, the only way of salvation. I'm so sorry. I like the loving Jesus, not the mean Jesus. It happens. Bow down. Coward's way. But you also have the courageous way. Because it separates who will be the cowards and who will be the courageous. And it says here, watch. I like this because persecution makes some stronger. Persecution makes some become emboldened and speak louder. (laughs) Persecution makes some stiffen up their spine. Look what it says. But he that shall endure it all the way to the end. That's the one that's really saved. We'll preach that verse in a couple weeks. That word endure means he that sticks it out. He that stands up. He that speaks up. He that suffers courageously. It remains to refuse to wave the white flag. Refuses to bow down. One of my favorite preachers tweeted yesterday, he said, we don't even own a white flag. And if somebody tried to give us one, we'd throw it in the ground and burn it. Because we don't give in. We don't bow down. We aren't silenced. And I've got story after story that I could tell you of, of Christians who have refused to back down. And I'm going to tell you a few. I've got, I've got time. You guys are ready for a couple stories. Just, is just, just of my favorite. There was a, a a preacher named Polycarp. Anybody having a baby, name your baby Polycarp. It's a great name, Polycarp Tompkins. If we have another one, <laughs> Steph's already agreed to it. She's not over there. <laughs> Shh, don't tell her. He was alive in the first century. 160 A.D., he was the last man to have known John, the apostle. And he was asked, as a criminal of the state, to recant and to swear his allegiance to Caesar. To bow the knee and say, Caesar is the Lord. And he said, he was told, reproach Christ and we'll set you free. And he said this, 86 years have I served him. he's not done me any wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? And they set him on fire and he was burned. 1500's a man named Martin Luther, you guys have heard of him, was brought before a religious council, the Catholic church. They laid out his writings on a a table and they said, recant of all your writings and we'll let you go. He said, give me a day to read them. (laughs) All his writings, you know. Recant of all your sermons, Josh. Well, I'm going to have to listen to them. I don't remember what I said. So laid them out there. He said, okay. Came back the next morning and he said, as long as this agrees with what the Word of God says, I recant of none of it. Here I stand. I can't do no other. And they killed him. My favorite story. Two men named Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Rid- Ridley. They were charged again with the enemies of the state. Again, that's, the, in that time, it's just not something you want to hear. Enemy of the state. Treason. They were taken to be burned. And they knew they were going to be burned the next day. And I love that Nicholas Ridley, you know what he did? And, and, and this is something that I get in my mind. That if they do this to me, this is what I want to do. So Nicholas Ridley, what he did, he said, I'm going to get burned the next day. I'm putting on my best suit. If I'm going to get burned and I'm going to die for Jesus, I'm going to look good doing it. So he puts on his finest suit and and him and his friend Hugh Latimer walk out. This this is England. This is just across the pond. All for for the Bible and and for following Jesus. So they go, dressed in their finest clothes. They chain them to a stake and they set it on fire. And they said the, the crowd went silent, and that Latimer and, and, and Ridley stood there in the fire, saying nothing, responding in no way. This is my, one of my favorite quotes. And in the midst of the silence, Latimer looked at his friend Nicholas Ridley, and he said, "Play the man, Master Ridley." I look at my boys and I say that all the time. "Be men. Don't be a coward." Don't back down. Don't bow the knee. Don't wave the white flag. Play the man. Master Ridley, for today, we'll light a candle in England that no man will ever put out. And they did. You want to hear another one? Yeah, you do. (laughs) I want to go biblical on this one. Let's go to Acts chapter 4. I even put question marks on all these. I said, if people say no to me, that they don't want to hear it, I'm going to do it anyway. I don't know why I put question marks. I've already mentioned this one. Again, this is two chapters after the church started. I love that Jesus said, and I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know what that means? He knew exactly where he put his church and what was going to happen to his church. And he didn't put us in a nice little island where nothing's going to happen to us. He put us right next to the gates of hell and said, nobody's going to stop what I'm doing. That's pretty good. Acts chapter 4. I'm just going to read. I wanted to read the whole thing, but I don't have time for it. Verse 5. And it came to pass in the morrow that the rulers and the elders and the scribes You see that? Here's your religious leaders. And Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, they gathered together in Jerusalem. They got a whole council together against Peter when they set them in their midst. They set them right in the middle of all of them in in front of the, the most powerful people in the world. I've preached this before. It's like putting you in Congress with all the House of Representatives, all the Senators, all the Supreme Court Justices, the Vice President and the President, and they sit you right in the midst and say, what are you doing? That's what they do to them here. And they sat them in the midst and they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Who gave you permission to do what you're doing? (laughs) Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he's made whole, I love verse 10, he plays the man. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by Him doth this man stand here before you whole. And it gets even better. This is a stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner, and neither is there salvation in any other name. For there is none other name under heaven given among men where anybody will ever be saved. Oh, they played the man, didn't they? Wow. Why like the man, Peter? <laughs> Get a spine, Peter. That's the same man who backed down and betrayed Jesus before he died. And now he's standing and saying, I ain't backing down. I can go on to Acts 4. They look at him and say, Okay, don't do it again. <laughs> Let me read you the verse. <laughs> in verse 18, they called him, commanded him, don't speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And again, it's that name. Hated for Jesus' sake. And Peter looks at Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God, to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. We cannot help but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Testimony and word of God. There you go. Acts 7. I've got got eight minutes. Acts 7. Eight minutes and about nine stories. (laughs) I'm kidding. Acts 7. Verse 54. One of my favorite stories. when they heard these things, which is Stephen's sermon. I don't have time to read you his sermon. But when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. I said that, that those two witnesses tormented the people. That's what the Word of God does to people. It torments them. cuts them to the heart. It convicts them. And they'll do anything they, they can to, to silence it. Don't you say these things. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. I mean, they're, they're, they're gnashing their teeth together in anger. They're mad. And I could preach sermons today and hear you know, like, like the incredible Hulk mad. Culture mad. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I watch way too much of that stuff with my kids. They're gnashing on their teeth. They're angry. That's, that's what the culture does. They get so mad. In verse 55, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. I like that. Jesus is always closest to us when we're in the most trouble. I think it's Luke 21 that says, they'll hate you for my name, but there won't be a single hair of your head that gets gets hurt. He'll take care of us in the midst of persecution. He shows up here. It says in verse 56, and and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And then they cried with a loud voice and stopped their ears. And they're like little kids. Does that not sound like our culture today? They can't stand it. Anything that disagrees I'll I'll kill you, you know. That's what they say here. And they cried with a loud voice, stopped their ears, ran on him with one accord, cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. One of the witnesses was Saul. When they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord lay not this sin to their charge. When he had said this he fell asleep, he died. Play the man, Stephen. <laughs> and he did. We need more men like that. And I'll speak to men today. We need more men like that. We need more men like Polycarp. We need more men like Luther and like Ridley. We need more men like Jonathan Edwards and Charles Spurgeon and George Whitfield. We need more men like Stephen and like Peter and like Paul. We need more men who will play the man in this culture. And not take the coward's way out. But be courageous. One more story I want to tell you of the most courageous man the world has ever known. Matthew 26. I'm taking you everywhere today, and you're saying, Why are you doing this? I'm preaching a verse and a half. I've got to go more places. Matthew 26, verse 36. Who's the most courageous man that the world has ever seen? Jesus Christ is. That's my Savior. That's who I love. That's who I follow. And if He can stand up for me, I'll stand up for Him. Verse 36, Then cometh Jesus with them to a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto His disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And He took with Him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. He knew what was coming. He knew they'd deliver him up. He knew that they would afflict him. He knew that they hated him. He knew that they would kill him. He knew that our sins would be upon his shoulders. He knew the pain that he would go through. And he's sorrowful and very heavy. And the Son of God could have backed away at that moment and said, no, no, no. Verse 38, Then he saith unto them, My soul's exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, O oh Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as, I, as Thou wilt. And we can pray that today. We don't want persecution. We don't look for persecution. We can pray, don't send it to us. But if it comes and it's Your will, then help me to stand and he went a little further and fell on his face. We read that verse 40. And he comes to his disciples. And they're sound asleep. He says, well, could you not watch with me for an hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again the second time. And he prayed, oh, Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, your will be done. And you know what the cup is? The cup is the wrath of Almighty God. And he came and found them asleep again. And their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same words. And he comes to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on. (laughs) Take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And I have circled his first word. Rise and let us be going. And to me, that is when Jesus stood up and went courageously to the cross where he was hated and delivered up and afflicted and killed like no man who's ever been killed before. And he did it for us. What love, what sacrifice, what courage. And C.T. Studd says this, if Jesus' Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. If He did this for me, if He stood up on my behalf, if He spoke up for me, if He went to the cross and suffered and bled and died for me, then who am I to be a coward and back down to the culture? We will not back down and bow down to the culture. We bow down to Jesus and Jesus only. That's why knowing the danger ahead, our decision must be And I hope you can say it with me. I have decided to follow Jesus. That's who I am as a pastor. And what I've decided I'll be. For me and for this church. And for me and my wife and my kids. Play the man, Josh. I have decided to follow Jesus. And there's going to be people that don't like me in this church because of that. Play the man, Josh. I have decided to follow Jesus. And though none go with me. Brandon, he knows I love this song. And though none go with me, and it's just me and Steph and the kids, still I'm going to follow. The song says, My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. The song says, The world behind me and the cross before me. I have decided to follow Jesus. And you do that not because you have to, but because you want to. Jesus is worth following. Jesus is worth being hated over. Jesus is worth being afflicted over. Jesus is worth, I'd rather have Jesus than, than all the world's applause. He's worth it. So I hope everybody in here Christians, that you would say, I'm taking the courageous way and I'm following Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And if there's anybody in here who's on the, I don't know where I'm at with this, Josh. You're going to have to push me over to the edge and and, and tell me, why should I follow? I know this isn't a great sales pitch, but Jesus doesn't need a sales pitch. He's the greatest man who ever lived. He's the Son of God. He died on the cross for our sins. He done for us what nobody could do for us. I don't have to give you a sales pitch. He's so great and so worth it that if you're in here today and there's any doubt, follow Jesus. Nothing in the world else worth it but Jesus. And when we die, if we die, He'll meet us there. And then we'll say, it was all worth it. It was all worth it. Let's pray. Father, I know this wasn't the easiest sermon to preach or to hear. But I think it's necessary. Every now and then you just need to stomp your feet in the ground and say, here we stand. That's kind of where I'm at today. Here we stand. Here's who we are and what we believe. We believe in the word of God and we will stand for the testimony of Jesus. So God, I've taken that today as that's what this sermon was. We're starting to feel a little bit of the pressure in our world now, in our country now, in our little area now. We're even starting to feel it. So, God, I know me by myself in my own power. I can't do it. But I started the sermon out, or started the service out with Jude to him who's able to keep me from falling. To him who's able to keep me from backing off. So God, help me. And God, help us as a church. We may lose people. We may lose views. We may lose money. We may lose popularity. We may become the most hated church in Big Stone Gap. I don't want that. And it's going to get, that would be hard. But God, help us to stand. Because we want your applause more than we want the world's applause. We care more about what you think then we do what the world thinks. So God help us. And if there's anybody in here today who's on the fence one way or the other about following Jesus, may today you stiffen their spine. You give them faith to believe in Jesus and to follow Him. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.